Welcome to the Employment Law and HR Podcast with your host, Allison Colley. Hello and welcome to this episode number 54 of the Employment Law and HR Podcast. I'm your host for the show, Alison Colley. I'm an employment law specialist and I'm a solicitor and I run my own business, Real Employment Law Advice Limited. And I'm pleased to announce that from the 1st of May, we have now transitioned from a sole trader or sole practitioner's firm to a limited company. So we're now known as Real Employment Law Advice Limited. And I actually now have two employees one of which is myself, and I have another employee, Tony, who's assisting me on a day-to-day basis, both with clients' cases and with administrative tasks. So I thought, what better time than to do a series, a mini-series, on taking on your first employee? Now, um, as those of you who are regular listeners will know, I've done a couple of mini-series so far on unfair dismissal and redundancy, and they've always gone down very well. So I'm going to do a little mini-series over the next few weeks on taking on your first employee. Now what I'm going to do is I can't actually say how many episodes there are going to be of this now because I've only just started the planning stage. So it may be that there are two or three or maybe four episodes of taking on your first employee. It depends how long I talk for on each episode about each point. So hopefully For those of you who are thinking of taking on your first employee or for those of you who are maybe more experienced in HR and employment or who already have employees, it will be useful for you and there'll be some useful tips that you can pick up anyway because we can all learn as we go along. So without further ado, I'm going to get into this week's episode. So taking on your first employee can be rather daunting. It can be a really daunting and a bit of a scary task. And a lot of the people that I work with have are either small businesses and who are just taking on their first employee or only have a handful of employees. And there are a number of things that you should consider. And that's what I'm going to be talking about today. Now, the first thing to think about when you are looking at taking on your first employee before you leap into putting that advert in the paper or contacting the local recruitment agency is to think about who you want and what do you want them to be doing. Now that might seem like it's an obvious thing to you but actually have you sat down and have you planned this out and really thought about what you want from them and how they're going to enhance your business because it is a big investment and that's whether you're taking on your first employee or if maybe it's your second or third or fourth or fifth even, you're still adding in that investment. So you're putting an investment, not only of your time, but your money into them. And I'm sure as a business person, you would plan out any other investment. So I would say treat it in the same way and really just sit down and write out. And that can just be doing a mind map or just a series of words on the piece of paper, talking about what you want from that employee. And from that, from that planning stage, I would say you can pull out their job description. So the description of the person that you want, the job that they're going to be doing and the job specification. So think about really from that, you know, blurb, if you're putting it down on paper, all the things that you want them to do, a job description that matches exactly what you want them to be doing. And it should be focused on the outcomes that you want from them. So what is it that you want 
to achieve from having that employee enter your business? What's the outcomes? Now this fulfills two purposes. One is that it ensures you're getting things right from the beginning and you're really understanding what you want from this person and what you're actually investing in, as I say. And the second is to ensure that the person who's coming to work for you knows what you want from them and what the expectations are. Because that's where sometimes you can run into difficulties almost immediately is that you might have in your mind the kind of person and that you want or the kind of job they're going to be doing but actually the way you've expressed that on paper in a job description or in an advert is completely different and so the two don't match up and then when the person starts they have an expectation of one thing and you have an expectation of another in your mind so really hone that in and get that right from the start it's the foundation to understand what you want. So that's step one. Who do you want and what are they required to do? Next up, before again you even put that advert together, you've done your job description and you've done your job spec. You think about what can you pay them and how many hours would you like them to work? Now, when you think about what you're going to pay them, immediately springs to mind salary. Okay, so I'm going to have to pay them a wage. Now, is that going to be salary as in I'm going to give them a fixed amount every month and that's what they're going to get regardless of hours they work or we're going to set some hours and you know it depends on how busy we are or are you going to pay them an hourly rate so you pay them you know for per hour that they're going to work and then on top of the salary you've got to think about pay ye so how much additional are you gonna to have to pay out each month or each week for tax and how much are you have to pay out for national insurance And then also with the introduction of auto-enrolment and the fact that it's now going down to even the smallest of employers, if you're taking on your first employee now or you're adding a new employee to your business, you should be factoring in the costs of the pension right now so that you understand exactly what you can afford to pay. And then that might reflect on the number of hours that you offer or whether it's part-time, full-time, fixed-term, all of that sort of thing. So in addition to the pay, the salary, or the hourly rate, for which you should have in mind the national minimum wage and the national living wage, and also have in mind the fact that that generally goes up every year, and that the national living wage for those aged 25 and over is going to increase over the next few years. So keep that in mind. But also on top of that cost is PayYE, NI, national insurance, and a pension contribution. Now when you've worked out what you're going to have to pay them each week or month or hour, then you can think about actually what can I afford realistically especially if it's your first employee and it's the first time you're having to have a guaranteed salary or payment going out each month to somebody else because you can't afford to take somebody on and then gamble with their livelihood and their life if they've got mortgages and bills to pay it's no good saying something unrealistic and offering them an unrealistic salary and then finding out after two months actually you don't have the cash flow to pay them. So think about it realistically and maybe start off with someone who is looking for for shorter hours, part-time or somebody who you're saying, well, actually, I can give you a fixed term because I know I can afford to pay that for this period of time and then we'll review it later on. And, and really think about it. It might be better for you to grow your business more slowly. It depends on the type of business you have and your need for the employee and what they're required to do but you might decide actually I'll take someone on part-time and then maybe I'll take on another part-time person later on and then build up that way but getting it right from the outset. Another thing to factor in 
which isn't related to the person's hourly rate or to the person you take on, but it's related to taking on any employees. And that's the fact you have to have employer's liability insurance. Now that will also increase your costs and your outgoings for the business. So I would have that in mind when you're thinking about this issue. Now at this point, when people, employers and business owners are thinking about taking on their first employee or taking on another employee and adding to the business, it's this point when people say to me often, well, I'd like them to be a freelancer or I'd like them to be a self-employed contractor or, you know, they're going to be paying their own tax and NI. Now, I can fully understand, and I've talked about this before on the podcast, why you would want to think about doing it that way. Because it means your obligations are reduced in terms of to providing work and all of that sort of thing. And it means you don't have to pay tax and NI. However, if the person who you're taking on is an employee in everything but the name of their contract or the title that you're giving them, then it is likely that at some point, either HMRC or the Employment Tribunal, if you run into difficulties, will determine that they're actually an employee. And so, yes, you might be saving money in the short term, but if things go wrong later on, it can be really costly. So really do think about it. And if the only reason you're deciding to put someone on as a self-employed contractor rather than an employee is cost, then you need to be thinking again as to whether you can really afford to bring that person into your business and make sure you're protected. If there's no other choice, you've got no other option and you're just going to have them as a self-employed contractor, then I would suggest that you get some advice right from the outset and ensure your contract between you and them is drawn up really well to make sure you're trying to cover yourself as much as you can. Now, in addition to the normal pay, you have to think about holiday pay because of course when they're not working for 28 days is the minimum requirement if they're a full-time employee you're going to have to be paying them for their holiday as well when they're not there giving you the output so it's just another aside to think of so step two on taking on your first employee before you do anything is to consider what you can pay and how many hours you can employ them for the third step on taking on your first employee is how are you going to find this person or persons? So how are you going to get them to come and work for you? And where are you going to find them? Well, we've all heard about how you go about traditional methods of recruitment. And in the past, you'd put an advert in the local paper and you'd wait for people to write to you. And then you'd interview them, invite them in for an interview and make your selection that way. Well, things have moved on from the traditional method of recruitment. And for many businesses, actually, it's not cost effective to advertise in your local paper. It can be really costly. You can end up with lots of applications that aren't relevant to your business. And you can waste both time and money in trying to find someone. A few years back when I was in a role as a HR manager for a previous firm that I work for, I had a number of staff that reported to me and we were recruiting for a new receptionist. And we did something very similar. We put an advert in the local paper and we had loads of applications, like tons, but none of them were any good at all. And I ended up interviewing or calling about five people in for an interview. And of those, I think three people didn't turn up and then two did and only one of them was any good. And we were kind of a bit desperate. So we had to offer them the job anyway. And to me now, looking back, that really wasn't a very good way of trying to find someone for that particular job. And I think there are better ways now, I appreciate that for some people, recruiting via the newspaper is, has worked for them and it will continue to work. 
and that's fine. But when you're looking at this, again, it's about planning and deciding how you're going to find them. Now, one of the easiest ways to find somebody for you, but probably maybe the most costly, is to use a recruitment consultant. Now, when you use a recruitment consultant, they will then find the person for you. They'll tap into their databases, they'll use their resources, they'll advertise it for you. And many of them will even narrow the pool down. So they'll do the first sift, save you going through loads of useless applications, and then they'll help you. And and some of you can even have a service where they'll do the initial interviews for you and then really just present you with one or two perfect candidates. So in a way, what you spend out in money, you are saving in time and hassle. And if you're the kind of person who's really busy in their job, everyday work, and you think, actually, I don't have the time for this, I need a new employee, but I haven't got the time to recruit someone good, then going down the route of a recruitment consultant is a good way of doing it. You can try other things as well, like online adverts that can work. Increasingly, people are using social media and LinkedIn to find employees. And of course, that's free to do and you can tap into your database or your local people and people that you're connected with to try and find someone. Or you could look for a personal recommendation from friends or family or other people who are in your industry. Or you can look to friends and family. So there are a number of options for you from the free which is social media, through to the very kind of can be most expensive, which is recruitment consultants. But arguably, it's just as expensive to put an advert in the paper and then do it yourself. When you're preparing your advert, whether you're using social media, or whether you're using, you're using print advertising, you need to be aware of the words you use to describe the job. Now, You don't want to be giving loads of information in there that's going to be completely overwhelming and that no one's going to read. But you do need to pick out the key points. So go back to your planning at step one. What are the key requirements for you? And what are the things that are really going to flag out? So when someone looks at it, who's your ideal candidate, they see it and they can see those attributes in themselves or those skills and experience. So flag those. If there are particular things that are important to you in terms of particular areas of expertise or experience then again make sure that's in there so that you're kind of narrowing the people that will apply for your job unless you're looking for something where you've got no requirements at all and you're happy to have a huge pool of candidates to sift through then you can put it as a wide job description but I really would suggest putting a really sort of targeted um, description in there using all the right keywords now of course you need to be mindful of the equality act because you could fall foul of discrimination rules in relation to certain protected characteristics. So you can't say things, or I would advise against saying things like young person required, or shop girl, or young waitress, or something like that. So you can't say anything that's related to somebody's protected characteristics. So that's things like age, race, sex, religion, disability, all of those things. However, if you do have an absolute requirement, which might be a bit controversial, but isn't discrimination, you can include it. So I was asked a question recently about somebody who wanted to say in their advert that they didn't want any smokers. So they didn't employ smokers within their organisation. And they wanted to know if that would be okay or not. And I said, actually, there's no protection in law for smokers. So if you decide as a business, you just want to exclude anyone who smokes, 
at all, then you could state that in your advert. And I think, why not be honest? Why not be honest and say, we don't actually want people who smoke because, you know, they want cigarette breaks or because it's not in line with the ethos of our business. And then you can say it and then you're not going to get those people applying and you're not going to run into difficulties with trying to upset people or sifting people who are, again, irrelevant to your business. And again, if you want somebody who lives locally to you and where I'm, I live and I'm based most of the time on the Isle of Wight, there are some small villages around where there isn't any public transport, for instance, or public transport stops at a certain time. And so there are employers locally who want somebody who lives in the village, for instance, or somebody who's walking distance or has their own transportation because they then know that they'll, if they don't, they'll run into difficulties with late shifts and that sort of thing. So just be, again, realistic about what you want. It may take you longer to find somebody, but it's much better to get the right person for your business than it is to get someone who is, oh, you know, just okay. And then you have to deal with that later on because it takes up your time and energy as much as anything else. And then once you've prepared your advert and you've decided how you're going to attract people to come and apply for your business, you need to think about how you're going to decide. So when you've got a pool of great candidates because of your fantastic job advert and specific requirements, how are you going to narrow those people down? What are you going to use to select them? Are you going to do um, an initial sift of their applications. So if you've got an application form or a CV, are you going to go through those and then decide? Are you going to have a telephone interview? Telephone interviews are becoming increasingly popular now because they take less time for everyone involved. You can generally have a more casual conversation and get the feel for somebody and whether they're really interested in the job and they really are a fit before you take the time to actually meet with them face to face. Or are you just going to go straight to the interview stage and then just narrow it down to one or two candidates and then invite them along to an interview? Then once you're in that interview, what are you going to use to select them? How are you going to narrow it down? And it's all too easy to go into that interview and not have that in mind. And then you're sort of relying on your memory or kind of thinking if you like them or not. And that's fine if that's how you want to operate your business. But I would go back to your planning stage, look at what their requirements are and maybe give them a scoring. So if your absolute requirement is that someone has experience in a particular area of your business, then you could say that's a scoring of 10 and then you could score them on that basis. Um, And just it doesn't have to be too complicated. It can really just be what are my main requirements and how does this individual score in terms of what their experience is, what their CV says and how they come across at the interview. And I would strongly recommend that you keep good notes of your decision making, at least for a short period after you've made the decision, just in case you are challenged by somebody who may be aggrieved about how you've reached the decision and then you've got some justification there and it's in writing. And again, if you are in an organisation where you've got employees already and you've got managers or supervisors who are making decisions, I strongly recommend that they have some equality at training so they understand about equality and diversity issues before they go into those interviews and start making those decisions. Because step five, you've decided who you're going to offer the job to, then you need to do things like referencing and pre-employment checks. So before you make them an offer, decide again how you're going to verify what they've said. How are you going to vet that person and ensure that they are genuine 
and they're not going to cause difficulty for your business or put you in a vulnerable position. Well, you need to get references and references can sometimes take a bit of time to do, which can be frustrating because you want to offer somebody a job and you don't want them to go elsewhere. You don't want to lose out on a good candidate. So what you can do in your offer letter to the candidate is say that the offer is subject to references so that you can then reserve the right if the references come back and they're negative to withdraw your offer of employment. And it may be that you have to make other pre-employment checks as part of your industry. So you might have to do a DBS check, a disclosure barring service check to see what their criminal record is. Now you can only do that if you fall into one of the exempted categories of employer. And if you're not sure about that, then you could always get some advice specific advice about the role and what you do. You might also want to do a quick check on them on LinkedIn or or on other social media sites to see what, you know, what they're like and if actually what they've said to you and how they've come across to you at the interview correlates with what is out there about them and to ensure that they're not going to cause reputational risk to your business. And there really is nothing wrong with googling them as long as you don't do anything that could be considered to be discrimination or as a result of their protected characteristics then you're just fine the sixth step and i kind of mentioned this in the fifth step is the offer letter so you need to compile a letter of offer now the offer letter doesn't have to be a full detail of the terms and conditions that you're offering but it does need to be a summary people want to know exactly what's on offer before they make their decision to either give their notice or come to you. And you might have discussed that at the interview, but having it formalised in the offer letter will make it much easier for both you and for the candidate to decide what they're going to do. So you should say what their job description is, job title, hours, pay rate, any particular terms that might have come up before. And if you're giving the employment to them on a probationary period, then you should also state that in there as well. Those are the first six steps to getting your first employee or taking somebody on. And I'll just run through those again for you to summarise. Number one, who do you want and what are they required to do? So really go down to the planning stage of really why you want them in your business and what they're going to be doing. Two, what can you pay them and how many hours do you want them to work And that's being realistic about the increase in your expenditure as a result of that employee. Number three, how are you going to find them? Are you going to use a recruitment consultant or are you going to look for friends and family? Decide on how you're going to do that and have a strategy in mind. Four, once you've got that recruitment out there and you've got that advert out there, how are you going to decide who you want to work for you? What criteria are you going to use and what's most important to you? Number five, how are you going to do those pre-employment checks? Are you going to get references? Are you going to check them out on Google? Are you going to ask for a DBS check? Do you need to check anything else? Number six, prepare an offer letter, setting out some basic terms for them so they understand what is exactly going to be happening. Now that's a summary of the six steps required. Step number seven is the preparation of a contract. Now, the contract of employment doesn't have to actually be given to them on day one or before they start, although it is advisable to do it as soon as possible, either before they start or just after. And I'm going to be talking more about the contract and preparing contract terms and what to think about in episode 
number two of this mini-series on taking on your first employee. So thank you very much for listening to this episode of the Employment Law and HR podcast. I hope you found it helpful. As I say, I'm going to be doing a mini series on taking on your first employee. So it would be really helpful if you have any questions or anything you would like me to cover in a future episode on this mini series. If you drop me a line, it's alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. And as I said at the beginning, I am a solicitor. I do run my own business. And therefore, if you would like some specific advice Or if you'd like someone to do this for you, if you think I really want to just outsource this and get someone else to help me out and get it all done properly, then you can always contact me. I'm very happy to help. And we do offer fixed fees so you can be certain of the cost. And we can include things like getting a recruitment consultant on board and preparing your job descriptions, preparing contracts, all of that sort of thing and getting you going. We could even do the interviews if you're worried about them. So do get in touch. Again, alison at realemploymentlawadvice.co.uk. I hope you have a great week and look forward to speaking to you soon. Thanks again for listening. Just want to finalise by saying I wouldn't be a lawyer unless I had a legal disclaimer. So I must just say to you that the information in this podcast is for information only. It's general review and a general update. It's always necessary to get specific legal advice about your circumstances. So please don't rely on anything that you've heard in this podcast. But please do feel free to contact me if you'd like further information or specific advice.